Welcome to Upstate New York Autocross. Upstate New York Autocross is brought to you by Storage Off-Season. When it's time to put away your toys for the off-season, check out storageoffseason.com. Whether you're a seasoned cone dodger, new to the sport, or just thinking about trying autocross, we hope you'll find something valuable in our Upstate New York Autocross podcast. Our objective is to provide information on autocross in general with an emphasis on autocross activity in Upstate New York. This is episode 19. Today's topic, the next level. I'm your host, Mark Manchicaro. Joining me today is Jim Perrin. Jim has been running events in Western New York for decades and has been attending national events since the mid-2000s, including at least half a dozen trips to Lincoln. Welcome back, Jim. Hey, thanks for having me. So before we get into the meat of our discussion on national events, let's define what a national event is and the different, because there's more than one kind of national autocross event. We're talking SCCA here, of course. Um, There's more than one kind of national event, right? Right. Uh, Currently, national offers two major types of events. Uh, One is the national tour event, which is a lot like your regular local events, except the rules are a little more strict, where you're only allowed to have three runs on the course. And there are generally uh, two courses. So so it would be a weekend event where you'd run one course on Saturday and you'd run a different course on Sunday. You get three runs on each event and your score is the fastest run from each day added together. The other type of event is a pro solo, which differs in that you actually run two courses simultaneously, two cars at a time next to each other. Uh, the, the goal is to try and have the courses mirror each other. It's not always the case, uh, but, but the, you start next to each other and you drag launch with a, a, a drag tree and uh, the courses are shorter, but you get six runs on each side and your, your score is the fastest run from each side added together. The tour events that are, are like I say, similar to the local events that we do, um, except that you, and you always get exactly three runs, correct? It's never two and it's never four. Oh, uh, well, the rules say you're supposed to get three runs. It's never more. It can be less if something intervenes. So, so sometimes you can't help it where weather or major equipment failure or some other sort of act of God thing that prevents the course, the, the uh, event from continuing to run. I've seen it where people only get two runs. Mm. That is not common oh, at all. That's, that's very, okay. very, very <laughs> rare. I just, I, I don't like to speak in absolutes. So you're supposed to get three runs. And if, uh, so let's say that in the event that you're in whatever, A Street, and you only got two runs, but someone else in A Street got three runs, would, would they drop the everyone's last, everyone's third run? So everybody just gets to the count or how would that work? Right. If, if something happened where I've seen it where there was a failure mid heat and they couldn't continue on the, the course as it was, say the service broke up to the point where it became dangerous to drive along that path and they had to change the course. What they would do is uh, the people that already ran, they would just uh, DQ those times and everybody would be the fastest of the remaining runs. So if they had to change the direction of the course for some reason, for safety reasons or something, that's one of those things where it has happened in the past, but man, I maybe twice I've ever seen it in the last 20 something years. I've never been to a national event. And and one of the reasons that I've 
never gone is because, you know, I always say it usually takes me three runs to figure out what the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that that whole limited number of runs, but really, that really kind of holds me back, you know, from doing the from doing the national stuff. But the tour, so you get six runs. So that's, a, you know, I might I guess I might consider that. Well, you get six uh, runs, but it's not six runs on the same course. You get three runs on the on, on Saturday's course, and a lot of times what they do is they run Sunday backwards. Okay. So you get three runs on the other course, and it's your fastest two times. So both of them are both of them are three runs on two quote unquote different courses. Right. So so if you're the type of person who your fastest run isn't until your seventh or eighth run, uh, then tours are not going to be <laughs> good to you. At least at least when you're first starting out, it's it's going to be tough because there are a lot of people that spend a lot of time honing their skills to be able to do it in the first couple of runs, and and you'll find yourself struggling to be competitive. Autocross is more more than half of it is a good game plan on your course walk so that you know what to do when it comes time to drive and you're not out there on your first run making gigantic mistakes because you weren't prepared for it. When you have a lot of runs at local events, it's real easy to just take a couple of casual course walks. You know the the, the general direction of the course, so you don't you know you're going to get a bunch of runs, you don't pay much attention to it, and you just go out and drive it. Your first couple of runs are just feeling it out, trying to figure it out. At a national event, for your real serious competitors, uh, you'll walk the course a lot of times, and uh, you'll figure out exactly what you want to do all along the entire run, so that when you get out there in your first run, you're probably 90% dialed in. And, and and from there, it's just a matter of, oh, I can go a little bit faster here, or, oh, I should go a little slower here. Uh, I should take a slightly different angle. And that usually comes down to how much grip there is. You thought there was going to be more grip than there there was or vice versa. Or m- maybe there's a little bit of camber or there was a bump you weren't expecting. It's just, just You're just adapting to the situation at that point. But you should already have a plan where if the course were perfectly flat, no obstacles, no bumps, no camber changes, no grip changes, your plan should be pretty good. Hmm. Okay then that's why it's such a huge part. It's a huge skill to develop that people don't spend enough time to do. The course walk. Yeah. 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 Honestly, most of the time I'm doing the course walk, it's really just for me to get familiar with with where the course is going. Mm -hmm. And so that nothing surprises me. And then I think a little bit about, obviously think about where I want the car to be, but what might surprise me down the road if you can't immediately see, you know, two two turns ahead if there's a blind corner or whatever that you want to be aware of, I guess. But I'm not really thinking, like you say, I just take advantage of the fact I'm going to get usually six or eight runs mm-hmm. and I take it easy the first couple and then and then I go from there. Well, you see, the, the secret is that the more national events you do, the easier it becomes to do course walks because not only did you get into that mindset of I have to get it done quicker, but also a lot of local courses – tend to be made of elements that people have seen at national events. So you're already familiar with what the element is and how you're supposed to do it. And once you do enough big events, you'll see you'll start to see the repetition of those things because let's face it, autocross is slaloms and offsets. <laughs> that's yeah, all there yeah. is, right? So once once you start to see maybe a 180 or a sweeper, yeah. That's a, you know, once you what, right? once you start to uh, uh, see the repetition in these different elements and the different different types of ways you can put them together, um, it becomes muscle memory. 
And now I don't have to do eight course walks to make the same plan. I do one course walk and in my mind I go, oh, I recognize this and that and this and that. And then I have that game plan already in my memory. So the more you do, the easier it gets. I guess that's not counterintuitive, but it, it helps a ton. Yeah, reps obviously you know are helpful. And at the at these national events, do some of them? I mean, as some places have that I've been to local events have places where there's elevation changes. Is mm-hmm. is that the case, or they're mostly flat airport type stuff? Uh, every every place has its unique characteristics. Even the most flat airport is going to have a little bit of changes. We just had an event in Maine at the Brunswick Brunswick Air Station. That's what it was called. So it's an airport, and it's concrete. It's their their parking pad area, but somehow. There's so much camber on this one part uh, that cars would roll if if you didn't have the brakes on, and you wouldn't you wouldn't think that about an airport uh, where no. you're parking airplanes. You wouldn't think that it would be that that slanted. So uh, everywhere has its its unique challenges. Whether it's uh, MetLife in New Jersey is sealed asphalt, so it tends to be slick in comparison to concrete, very slick, especially if it rains. It's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. icy yes. almost. Whereas uh, the Toledo uh, Air Park, Toledo Express Airport, uh, is concrete, and it has a ton of grip when you're driving against the grain of the concrete, because the concrete itself has a bunch of uh, a grain to it, the way that Grooves. they... Yeah, yep. right? So if you're driving against the grooves, there's more grip than when you're driving with the grooves. And it's one of those things you don't notice right away until somebody points it out to you. So everywhere has its unique challenges. Uh, uh, we, we ran an event at Cleveland Expo Center this year where there were bumps that looked – you could see them in the course walk. There was a little bump in the pavement. But it wasn't until you saw cars driving it that you could see stiffly sprung cars were bouncing off the bump and almost getting air as they're going over it. And that, now that becomes a – a challenge that you might not have planned for. Did you have mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. not having uh, all four wheels on the ground when you're not expecting it? Yeah, it can make the car handle a little bit differently. You you mentioned a couple of locations. Now let's let's talk about that. So in upstate New York, uh, we've got as probably most people listening to this know. Uh, Seneca Army Depot, Finger Lakes region, hosts a tour event there, which is we're going to call that the regular kind of national events. Um, and you said uh, Toledo, New Jersey, uh, Brunswick, Maine, Cleveland. So most of these places are, depending on where you are in New York, uh, you know, a few to several hours away, right? So that that's actually more than I, closer than I thought there would be. How many, do you know roughly how many venues for national tour events that there are? Uh, tours in the Northeast are um, Seneca and... Did you said Toledo? Is that well, no, not, Toledo, uh... Toledo, they normally run a pro at. They run, this year, they ran a pro at Cleveland and Maine. There's the, uh, uh, the doubleheader sp- uh, summer Nats that they run at uh, uh, Bristol, Tennessee. They run a tour or a pro uh, at uh, Charlotte... Motor Speedway. Mm-hmm. Um, that site's better for a tour, but sometimes they run pros there. So it's it's it, the site layout is what really dictates what they can do there. Uh, MetLife is is usually a pro, but a couple of years ago they did have a tour there instead. Um, sometimes in the past they have run tours at uh, Devon's in um, 
by Boston. Yep. Right. Yep. Or uh, uh, okay. last last year they ran a tour at uh, FedEx Field in uh, outside of DC. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's. I mean, you know, you're going to obviously do unless you go to Seneca. You're going to do. Uh, you know, most of those are are couple hundred or even several hundred miles away mm -hmm. if you're talking about Charlotte's a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Devons isn't far those, from, you know, the Albany area or whatnot. But. Those are all generally about inside 10 hours or so from way, from yeah. central New York. Yeah, so you're probably looking at, I mean, it'd be tough to drive for 10 hours and then compete. Or, well, the, you know. the schedule of the event is that if you arrive Friday, you register tech and do your course walks Friday night. So I usually plan to get there around 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon uh tech tech closes at six then course is open for walking after that uh, until the site closes some sites are, don't close some sites they kick you off depends on where it is mm -hmm. so so i i leave first thing in the morning on friday drive get there set up get all my stuff squared away and then saturday morning it's just like showing up to a regular local event at that point do a couple more course walks in the morning uh and you've got time to get everything squared away and then on sunday you have uh same thing, morning time, and then yep. Same thing, maybe Sunday. you head home, maybe you spend another night, or depends on um, how far away. I always head home. Uh, it depends on where you're going. I know people that will stay an extra night just to dodge traffic, hmm. because depending on where you are and what time of year it is, the traffic can be brutal on Sunday evening. What about the qualifications? So we're talking now in the late August, and... Lincoln, you know, the, the, the big national championship uh, is just a few weeks away. Uh, so certainly if you're listening to this and you're just now thinking about um, going to that, uh, <laughs> probably the answer is not this year. Well, right? yeah, I mean, this year, especially just show up to that one. Uh, right? This year, especially it's the 50th anniversary. And as a result, a lot more people are going this year than would normally go. The cap is 1300 and they hit the cap in a couple hours. Wow. So, yeah, it's your wait. Till, I think the wait list is still over 100 people long. My goodness. There's these tour events, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the pro events. Do you have to do a certain number of those? I mean, can anyone just go to Lincoln? Could Lincoln theoretically be someone's first event? Yes. Wow. There's no previous experience or qualifications for these events. The SCCA has a program called Starting Line, where you do the Starting Line School, uh, which is an Evo-type school, if you're familiar with that, uh, uh, introduction to autocross and, and some advanced instruction, depending on, on uh, what you're looking for out of it. Uh, and it also includes entry into a local event and a national event as part of the entry fee. So I've seen people never do an event before, sign up for starting line, and then the next day do whatever that national event was that they paired it with. So their first real autocross was a national event. Was it was a wow. national tour? Interesting. Well, that's good that it remains that open to people. I don't recommend it. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't even know it was possible. Uh, I it, thought you had to do like a certain number of right. Yeah, for... you don't. You don't have to be good. You, but it, it helps that you understand the flow of the event. You understand what course working is and how to reset yeah. cones and what you know it really helps that you understand the basic fundamentals of how the event runs in order to know what you're supposed to do at the event but uh, you don't have to be good it's, um you don't have to feel like you're ready for it because if you'll never 
you'll never feel like you're ready for it. So you might as well just do it. And you'll find that there are certain people who are always fast, are fast to a degree that astonishes you and makes you second guess your choices. <laughs> but the rest, the rest of us are there trying to get better, but also having fun with our friends. A lot of people, you see them at every event, just like you do at a local event, except I only see them at national events. And you get to spend time hanging out with your friends just like you would at locals. Uh, mm -hmm. You get to drive. You get to uh, talk about all the mistakes you made with your buddies. It's just the, as good as a local event, except the competition is much higher. I don't think I'm selling this idea to certain people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think well, well, part of well, Jim, part of it is it's a good idea. We want to sell it to people, but we also don't want to give people false hope, right? Well, you don't want to think that oh, it's just like I've been to Seneca Army Depot before. I'll just that no problem, piece of cake. I'll drive eight hours to uh, Tennessee. <laughs> well, I said, see, here's the thing. For me, uh, I think it's important that people's motivation be. Uh, the right sort, the right frame of mind, right? So, if you think you're going to the, your first national event to win, I think that's the wrong frame of mind. Um, very, very few people are good enough who've never done these before are are good enough to beat some of the people that are at the top of the uh, the heap, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, if you if you go there with that mindset you're more than likely are going to be disappointed in your performance. If you go there with the mindset of, Hey, I want to learn from the people who are really good. I want to see what's actually capable, right? If you, if you've ever thought, why is my packs so difficult? You get to go see the guys out there who set the packs at that level and realize why it's that bad. Right. But also the great thing is you get to see how they drive the same course. Right. I talked, I, I mentioned uh, about uh, getting better and feeling, feeling like you're not ready um, because you might not feel like you're good enough. Well, this is a great way to actually get better is to see what the fast people are doing on the course. You can talk to them. It's, it's amazing how approachable everybody is. And you can go up to them, talk to them and go, hey, how are you doing this turn? And a lot of guys will just tell you exactly what to do. Oh, you want to move your breaking point back a little further, go slow in, stay tight. And then it's something that maybe you didn't even realize you could do or you didn't think it was going to be the fast way through. And now suddenly you dropped a second off your next run. And and I, I find for me, it's that that top tier competition that not only pushes me to be faster, but also helps me to realize what I'm doing wrong. It's it's amazing. Because there's uh, usually quite a few people at these events, right? I mean, we're talking usually low hundreds of people, 200 people. Uh, well, the cap for national events, I think, are, is, is 350, and the cap for pros is generally 250 or 275. So there's usually a few hundred people at these events. Yeah, it's not like you're going to show up and there's going to be 35 people. Right. There is, what, is what I'm getting at. And that's that's part of the reason why you're limited to three runs is because they they have hundreds of people and you just don't physically have enough time for everybody to have more runs than that. The plus side of that is those people, so many of them are at the top of their game. You're going to have a lot of time to talk with them, right? It's not like mm -hmm. at a local event where your you know your run group is an hour long and then there's an hour you know, a couple of minutes in between and you work for an hour and then you rest for an hour. I mean, you're going to have like four or five hours where you're not working and not running. Right. Oh yeah. There's, there's a time when you're not, cause there, there are multiple heats. So 
a tour will have five heats. You'll work one, you'll run one, then you have three heats where you're not doing anything. Yeah, so during that time when you're not doing anything, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're always going to be running with your class. Right, you'll always run with your class. And and depending on how big the class is for a tour, uh, you're, you're required to have at least a minimum of five minutes between runs, but generally the classes are so big that you'll have much more time. So you'll be able to talk to the people uh, gridded right near, right around you for uh, extended periods of time. Let's talk operationally, Jim. There's, there's times to talk to people uh, after the, after your runs, you know, after your heat. And um, then there's, there's an impound process. Now, how does that work? Uh, after the last driver of your group runs, uh, that starts the, your impound time. So everybody stays where they are. You open your hood, you open your trunk um, to allow drivers to inspect each other's cars, make sure everybody is legal uh, to the rules because autocross is a self-policing sport. Uh, if you think somebody's doing something that doesn't meet the rules, uh, you have an opportunity to discuss it with them. And if you guys don't agree on whether it's legal or illegal, you can file a formal protest where they'll have a, a jury adjudicate what they believe the rules are for your class. Hmm. That process happens directly after you're done running. Um, and it takes about as long as it takes for timing to go through the results and make sure that uh, the results are accurate. Uh, everybody's got their runs. Nobody needs a rerun. And um, and then everybody has a chance in your class to review the results and, and make any protest on the results themselves. So you're probably stuck in grid another 15, 20 minutes after you're done running. Okay. And, and there's, so there's no one on the course at that time or there's just a different grid? No, no, portion? no. Your, your, your group is in impound together. But other cars are still running. Uh, there's more than one grid then. There's there's usually two grids, what they call a 100 grid and a 200 grid. So so if you're in the first heat, you'd be in the 100 grid, and second heats in 200 grid, then third heats in 100 grid, and right. So you're you're in that grid until you're released, until impound's done. They said uh, results are, are are good. Everybody leaves, and then once once the, that grid empties out, the next group that's in that grid's Spot can move in and and stage so that they have the next group already pre-staged to make the changeover times as fast as possible. And do you have assigned grid spots or? Yep. You, okay. Yeah, they 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 give you a, an assigned spot that you you stay at both days. Okay, so you know exactly where you're going and exactly when you're going to run. Right, because uh, national events, national tours run sequentially by number. That's why you see a lot of people running with number ninety nine. Because ninety nine runs last, <laughs> yeah, or one ninety nine, I guess one ninety. So, so you co yeah, co drivers take your number plus one hundred. So you're limited to a two digit number, and your co driver can have one one hundred plus that number. That's those are the only numbers you can take. You can't take anything higher than ninety nine or one ninety nine. Gotcha. Before the event, now are there is there a drivers meeting or? I'm sure that I'm guessing they don't explain what a down cone is. And all no, that no, there, there's still a driver's meeting at the beginning of the event where they discuss uh, specifics for that site in that area. Um, if there are specific safety concerns, uh, it'll be discussed at that point. If there are procedural changes that are unique to that site and that event, they'll discuss it there. But generally, the most of the events run almost the same. So uh, the driver's meeting is, is fairly short. What else they do? Safety does a quick spiel, but what you're used to at a local event where we talk about this is a flag, 
this is a, a cone and th- none of that happens generally because nobody goes to a national event for the first event if, if they did they probably just had the uh what you call the it? starting, starting line school right. they explained everything to them the day before mm-hmm. it's always a good idea to uh find a friend so if you're going to your first national events I'm sure somebody from your region is also going or uh, somebody you know is going to be at that event. So if your first event, you find a buddy so that they can just make sure that uh, you don't have any questions. You know where you're supposed to be when. Because it is a real event where they're going to enforce the rules. At local events, we don't enforce all of the specific technical rules, but at a national event, they do. So if you're not in your grid spot, your assigned grid spot, if you're not there when when grid the grid worker comes down and tells you to go, you lost your run. Mm. So it's it's important that you're where you're supposed to be when you need to be. Um, it's there's a little flexibility there, especially if they know you're new. But it's it's always nice just to have somebody to ask questions of, and you can ask. This is like local events. You can ask questions to anybody around you. If you if you're lost, you're not sure what to do. Everyone is super helpful and, and wants you to have a good time and come back. And most of the people there are probably pretty darn experienced, right? Oh, I'm sure that there are hundreds of years of experience amongst everybody there. In contrast to national tours, uh, pro solo, I mentioned earlier, two cars run at the same time and you run against the clock. The clock, the interesting thing is the, the clock starts when the lights drop, not when you cross the line. So, like in a drag like race, a drag right? race. I mean, so your reaction time matters, your 60-foot time matters. Uh, it's You do the runs one after another. So you do uh, three heats, and each heat is two runs on each side. So you do if, – if, you, if you're, you run the left side, then you immediately, when you're done running the left side, you get in line to run the right side, and there's only like four or five cars in line at a time. So you do oh. well, the right side, then you do left side, then you do right side, and then you're done for the heat. So you do four of them real quick, quick succession. And re- so they're really, really, I'm going to call it run groups for lack of a better thing from a you know regional perspective. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be, like, instead of being three run groups, there's like 25 run groups. Uh, there are, yeah, yeah, the groups are a little weird. Uh, so there, there are four heats, and each heat is split into two groups. And, and it's, yeah, it's kind of wacky the way they do it. It all works out because they don't send a whole group up to the line at a time. They try to keep classes together, but mm-hmm. they, they can only physically fit maybe 10 cars. Up, up at the the starting area at a time, just the way that you have to drive around to get back into line to do the other side. Oh, right, because the way you're using you have two courses set up at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, so the the space is a little limited like that. So they they send up smaller groups, but that also means that you bang out your runs real quick, and it's almost like you barely have time to even think about it. Yeah, which is fun. I like it. It's 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 uh, exciting. Well, it's better than having half an hour between runs or forty five minutes. Right. I love pro solo. I think it's the best thing out there. One thing I wanted to mention, though, is don't let the word pro throw you. It has nothing to do with the competition. Uh, the word pro and pro solo originally came from the idea that there were more contingencies available, more prizes. That's kind of dwindled off in recent years, uh, as with a lot of things. There just hasn't been the, the investment from uh, manufacturers and stuff for contingencies like there used to be. <laughs> However... The, don't let pro fool you. If you're interested in all checking it out, you really need to check it out. If you think regular autocross is fun, but you don't like standing around all day, you really need to check out pro solo. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, you get to do all your runs right away, and then you've got a big block. Your downtime is a big block of downtime. You're not waiting well, around for yep. and half an hour between runs. You get more. Right. You get more runs in a, in a shorter time. Plus, and here, this is one of my favorite things too. Um, so you do two heats on Saturday, and one Sunday morning. After the the heats done on Sunday morning, they take uh, the top qualifiers and they run a challenge bracket, where it's a kind of a heads up thing where you run against the other people from the other classes that have won their classes and they crown an overall champion. Uh, it's, bra- it's like bracket racing. So uh, they, they have a dial in for when you start compared to the person you're racing against. And, but here's the fun thing for me, because I've never made the break, the challenge bracket, you can leave. So they're, they're done running with regular runs usually by noon. I gotcha. So that's how you, that makes sense because then you get home at a reasonable time if you live six hours away. Exactly. So so not only does you run the same courses for all three heats. So if it rains on Saturday and it's dry on Sunday, you don't have to worry about switching to rain tires or making sure that you get a good rain run. As long as it's dry one heat, you're going to get a solid run. And so there's less pressure on that. You're you're done early on Sunday, so you get home early. Like you get your runs done all in quick succession, so you don't have time to just sit around and do nothing. It's I love everything about it personally. Yeah, it does sound like an interesting format. The last thing I want to talk about here, Jim, is costs. So, as we're recording this in the summer of. Uh, 2023 local costs run anywhere from a I still can't believe it low of $35 up to you know for regional event and in upstate New York and in Pennsylvania to 75 is the highest I've seen if you're at Pocono for example which isn't in New York but hey we've been talking about other places anyways I know that like the DC area sometimes their um, their local events are, are in that ballpark too because of site costs the tour events and the pro solos, they're, they're a little bit more expensive than that, aren't they? They are. Uh, generally, you're going to spend 150 to $200 on the event, depending on, on the site. Uh, you, MetLife is an expensive site. I think it's like $10,000 a day. So you need to charge. You got to pay for it. Yeah, right? you got to pay yeah. for that because you, you're there for at least three days now. And it's not just a one-day autocross. Right. Uh, and also, you're paying for the national crew. Uh, they have paid employees uh they bring equipment they run the event for you so if you're used to putting on events if you're used to organizing events you don't have to do any of the work now they do it all and i'm guessing that a not insignificant number of the people that come to these national events are the people like you and i that are the ones running the events mm-hmm. <laughs> when they're local we, events we still have to work the event like we did we do but it's it's more like a regular work assignment shagging cones is is a lot different than being the event chair it's a lot nicer it's a lot <laughs> yeah. more relaxed for those of us who put in a lot of work at our local region you you can just focus on your driving and you can just chase some cones and then you're done Exactly. And you mentioned contingencies. Now, there are some, um, like you put uh, whatever, let's just throw it out there, Mazda. You put a Mazda sticker in your car and, you know, well, I'm not saying this is the case now. You have to drive you, a you know, Mazda. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You drive a <laughs> Mazda, you put the Mazda sticker on your car, and then, you know, if you come in, you know, first, second, third place, you might win some money or maybe like tires, right, if you've got a certain kind of tire. Mazda pays out to fifth or sixth place, if I remember correctly. I think they pay a hundred dollars for fifth place. Um, SSC, this the um, solo spec coupe, the FRS BRZ class, they uh, Falcon pays out 
because Falcons is spec tire for that class. They pay out to fifth place, I believe, a hundred dollars. Awesome. So, so there are a couple of classes where uh, they go deep. Um, most of the contingencies are generally based on a first, second, or third at best. Um, Hoosier still pays tires for a minimum of five drivers. First place gets tires, and if you have seven or more, second place gets tires. There's all some other Toyota has a contingency Hawk. If you run Hawk stickers, you get a Hawk uh, discount money mm-hmm. for brakes. There's there's a few other contingencies. I'm I can't remember. OS Geikin I think has one if you run their stuff. Well, great. It's I mean it's great to know that you can uh, got a chance of of recouping some of your entry fee maybe. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Jim. Thanks so much for coming back. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. I always enjoy uh, talking about autocross. Me too, and I know we'll have you back soon. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Storage Off-Season. It's never too soon to plan for long-term storage of your car, trailer, boat, RV, or just about anything on wheels. Check out storageoffseason.com today. Thanks for listening to Upstate New York Autocross. If you have any comments about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, send an email to upstatenyautocross at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, Please tell your friends about it and consider subscribing to our podcast to get future episodes automatically delivered in your podcast player of choice. I'm Mark Mangicaro. Thanks again, and please drive safely.